All right, I will say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors, our Tamil Torah sponsors for the month of Kislev. Joshua Mecca Friedman, Le'ilu Inishmas, Josh's father, Yisrael Yehuda Ben Chaim, Rafael Zichoro Levracha. To thank Sammy Malka Esterson for dedicating the Shurim this month. All right, you could t- turn it up, turn it up. It's fine. Just, just turn up the heat. Just turn up the heat. All right. So, so Sammy Malka Esterson. In memory of their parents, Yitzchak Leib ben Aaron Akoin, Sarah Rachel Bas Barach Avram, and Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim, as well as in the continued Zuchos of the Gzunt and Hatzlacha from Mr. Morton Esterson, Ameyav Esrim Shalom Tobos. To thank the Pepper family for dedicating all of the Shi'urim this month, the commemoration of the yard site of Yosef Pepper, Yosef David Bizuchon Levracha ben Yaakov. To thank our week of learning sponsor, Steve Golaskov, in honor of his daughter Rivi's upcoming wedding to Ellie. Bogart and incarnation of his father's upcoming first yard site. The Pepper family, in honor of the Nishos of Rafu Shlemer for Yaakov Ben Rachel, and a day of learning sponsors, Paul Pollock, in the Nishos of Rafu Shlemer for his wife, Kathy Rivka Bas Sara, who is having surgery today. The surgery should be with incredible Hazlacha. She should have a Rafu Shlemer together with Kol Chode Yisrael. With that, let us begin a very interesting daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Lamed Dalid, 34. We are picking up in Merit Hashem on the top of Lamed Dalid, 34. So let's see, if you remember again, we ended up with the following idea. So the Mishnah, the Mishnah spoke about the following case. I make a nether that Reuben is not permitted to get any benefits from me. So we'll say this has actually been the topic of the last two Mishnahis. We started this. This is how the third parak began. So if you remember again, in the first Mishnah, we spoke about the fact that if I make a nedr that Reuven can't get Hanav from me, we went through the list of activities, or truth is, the list of things that Reuven cannot borrow, and the list of thing that, things that Reuven cannot do. In the last Mishnah in yesterday's that we spoke about what are the things that I can do for Reuven that are not considered to be an act of Hanav. So in that list, if you remember again, there was, I can give Reuven's half shekel, I can go ahead and pay off Reuven's debt, because remember again, the Gemara said those are not considered Hano, because the definition of Hano is what? Is what? Giving something to someone that they did not have before. But the concept of going ahead and chasing away a creditor or satisfying a debt in halacha is called Mavriach Ari Minichse Chavero. Fascinating. So again, yesterday. The other idea that the Mishnah said that I could do is I can go ahead and return a lost object. Return a lost object. Salach and Isaac return a lost object. And if there's normally a fee, that's given to the returner, when he goes in and does that, that fee should ultimately go to Hektish. Good, that was the Mishnah. The end of yesterday's daf, we spoke about this idea about who's returning who to what, right? And the Gemara had a machlokes about what, what exactly is the situation in which you are permitted to go ahead and return a lost object. So the Gemara brought down a machlokes in Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi about whose property is prohibited to and how exactly it works, that Machlokas went ahead and centered on whether or not we subscribe to the concept of Pruta de Rav Yosef. What's Pruta right? of Rav Yosef? Pruta of Rav Yosef will say is this idea, is this idea that when you are engaged in the performance of a mitzvah, which means, technically speaking, at the time that I'm returning a lost object, if somebody were to ask me for tzedakah, I would what? I'd be potter. Because of Osik, but mitzvah, potter, min ha-mitzvah. So halacha la-maisa, halacha la-maisa, 
is that called Hana or not? And even if it is called Hana, perhaps again it's so unlikely, so unlikely that the request for its duck and the returning of the lost object are going to coincide in that fashion. So, okay, that's the Machlokas. Type of Lamadala. So, Tanana, so, I, so continuing along a little bit in this Machlokas, Bish says, Tanan, Makum Shinot Lin Alaschar Tipal Hana Lehektish. So, I say, so remember again, the Mishnah said that in a place where ultimately, again, you are given a reward for returning a lost object, that schar, that reward should really be given to Hekdish because Lamaisa, because Lamaisa, can't be Nana. So, I say, what's the case? So, according to the opinion who holds, that even if the property of the person who lost the object, is prohibited upon the person who is returning the object, you could still go ahead and return the object. That could be a case, that makes sense, because then I could still return the object, but there is still maybe some Hana involved, and therefore again, the Mishnah is saying that the Hana should ultimately go to Hekdish. Asurim amachzir lomahader, but I was according to the opinion who holds that when the property of the person who lost the object is prohibited upon the person who's returning the object, so therefore I was and therefore halacha lomahader, therefore you can't, therefore the finder can't return the object in that situation because lemaisa again that would be called getting hano. Ultimately, again, from the person who, who from who, that is called getting Hanal, and you can't do that because of the Nedar. Amai Tipal Hanal Lehektish. Then what's the case, ultimately, again, of Tipal Hanal Lehektish? To which the Gemara says, you're right, Achadokatoni. The truth is, Rabbi say that phrase of Tipal Hanal Lehektish only goes on one particular case. It doesn't devolve, that, that statement is not necessarily attached to both cases. Okay. So we'll see an alternate version of this. So again, we'll see the halacha lamais at the end of this road as well. Others have a different version of this. So the Gemara says, So this is Machlok is Rabbi Amin Rabbi Asi. So we'll say, so again, this is an alternate version of the same Machlokas, right? Remember again, this whole thing started with a Machlokas Rabbi Amin Rabbi Asi. Now there's an alternate version of this machlokas. So here we go. Chad Amar, one says, Lo shanu ela, bal asturin amachzir. So I will say, one opinion says, we're only talking about a case where the property of the bal aveda, so the property of the person who lost the object, is usher to the person who is returning the object. Right? Umishum pruta dirav yosef lo shiach. Yet, We'll sort of say, so in this case over here, let's just call it like this. Ruving lost the object. Shimon found the object. It also happens to be that Ruving is the one who made the nether, precluding Shimon from getting benefits from his property. Okay? So now Ruving loses an object. Shimon finds the object. Now the question is, is Shimon allowed to return the object to Ruving? So the first opinion says, yes. Why? Because we'll say, what do we have to be concerned about? We have to be concerned about maybe the pruta of Rav Yosef, which is what? That maybe when Shimon is returning the object, what's going to happen? While he's returning the object, an ani, a poor person, is going to ask him for tzedakah, and in that moment, what's going to be the halacha? What's going to be the halacha? Oh, sick, but mitzvah, pata, mitzvah. So it turns out 
that Shimon is benefiting from the property of Ruvain, which is something he's not allowed to do under the terms of the neder that Ruvain made. But again, this opinion holds that Pruta de Rav Yosef is lo shriach. It's not common. It's not common. And therefore, again, that's not, therefore we don't have to be worried about that kind of hano, and therefore Shimon couldn't return the property to Ruvain. Aval, however, Aval, nichse machzir asurim abalaveda, but I'm about to say, listen to this. But if, let's say again, Shimon, if Shimon's property is ultimately ushered to Ruven. So remember, Ruven is when he lost the object. Shimon found the object. Shimon now wants to return the object to Ruven. But if the property of Shimon is ushered to Ruven, ultimately again, he should not return it. Shimon should not return. Shimon should not return the lost object to Ruven. Why? Because Shimon is ultimately giving benefit, ultimately again, to Ruvain. Shimon is giving benefit to Ruvain. I will say, how is Shimon giving benefit to Ruvain? If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, two, three lines in, in the wide lines of Rashi, even though Shimon is returning Ruvain's object to Ruvain, right? In other words, I will say, just to be clear, let's frame this case. Ruvain, Ruvain lost, the, lost an object. Shimon found the object. Okay, so now I both say, just one, what's the complicating factor over here? The complicating factor is that Shimon made a neder prohibiting Ruvain from getting any benefit from his property. So now I both say, we're saying that Allah says Shimon can't return the object to Ruvain because if Shimon were to return the object to Ruvain, Ruvain would be getting benefit from Shimon and that's in violation of the nether. Now Rashi says over here, now what's the hana? What's the hana that Ruvain would be getting? Because remember again, what is Ruvain getting back from Shimon? What is he getting back from Shimon? His own object that he lost. Rashi says, Even though Shimon is returning Ruvain's object to him, At the end of the day, Shimon is providing Ruvain with a service. That's what's the service? What's the research, what's the service? Returning a lost object. That service is a form of hano. That service is a form of hano. And therefore, Halakhalamaisa, Shimon would not be permitted to go ahead and Shimon would not be permitted to go ahead and return the object. I will say, by the way, I know what you're thinking, you're thinking one second. That means the nether is running contrary to Torah. So both say, so remember again, we made this this excellent question. We made this distinction a little bit earlier on. So remember, a neder, a neder devolves upon an object. So because a neder devolves upon an object, it's technically speaking, you could technically have a neder that runs contrary to Torah law. What can't you have? You can't have a shvua that runs contrary to Torah law. Why? Why? Because shvua devolves upon the individual. So I can't, I can't create a reality upon my person that runs contrary to Torah law. I can create a reality for an object that runs contrary to Torah law. The interesting, the interesting part over here is that there's this little bit of a tension because the service that Shimon is providing for Ruvain, what's the service? It's a service of the self, right? The service of the self. So interesting. Okay, so, so the, the, the Gemara doesn't seem to feel that it runs contrary to biblical law. It's interesting. Okay. And the Chadar, so we'll say, so that's one opinion. The Chadar, the other opinion says, no, no, no. Afilu nichse machzir asurim abalaveda, back to the Gemara, mutter. 
It's not trouble. So even in this case, even in this case, right? Reuven lost the object. Shimon found the object. But Shimon also had prior to this made a neder prohibiting Reuven from getting any benefits from his property. The second opinion says, Shimon, excuse me, Shimon could still return the object. Why could he still return the object? So the Gemara says, They'll say, if you think about it, Shimon is not providing a benefit to Ruvain. What is he giving to, what is he giving to Ruvain? That which you already own, which I'll say works very beautifully with our pre-existing definition of Hanah. Remember again, what's the definition of Hanah? Again, what's the definition of Hanah? Something additional you did not have before. But giving Sarbosa, so up until now, what we've said is kind of chasing away the lion, right? Preventing the creditor from coming. That's not called Hanah because the, the individual's not getting anything more. So too, when Ruben loses an object and you give him back his object, you're not giving him something new, right? That was his beforehand, it's his now. That's not called Tana either. So interestingly enough, in this, in this alternate version of the discussion, this alternate version of the discussion, the Machlokes centers around the case one more time, where Ruvain loses the object, Shimon finds the object. Okay, that's part one of the story. Truth is, I should say differently. Part one of the story is Shimon made a neder prohibiting Ruvain from getting any benefit from himself, from his property, from himself. Okay, that's part one of the story. Part two of the story, Reuven lost an object, Shimon found it. So now what's the, now what's the Machlokes? Is Shimon allowed to go ahead and return the object? So first opinion says, first opinion says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Why? Because Lamaisa, Shimon returning the object is a form of Hanah. And therefore, Allah Lamaisa, Shimon can't give Hanah to Reuven because that's in violation of the terms of the nether that Shimon himself made. Right? So opinion number two, that's not called Hanah. Hanah means giving someone something additional. Here, Shimon is simply returning to Reuven that which Reuven already owned, and therefore, Allah Lamaisa, that is not called Hanah. Okay, so we'll say, so this is the newly reframed form of the Machlokas. Okay, Tanan, so we'll say, now let's analyze. So that's the Machlokas. So now let's analyze the Mishnah. Tanan, Makom Shinoklin Aleaschar, Tipal Hanah Lehektish. What did the Mishnah say? What did the Mishnah say? That even when there is a neder presence, right? If you are still allowed to go, so the Mishnah said you're allowed to return a lost object, and if there is hanah, right? So if there is some reward, ultimately again that reward, you should give it away. You should give it to Hakdish. So let's analyze this. So we'll say this makes a lot of sense according to the opinion that says even when Shimon the returner. Right? Even when Shimon the Maxir, even when Shimon's property is Asr upon Ruvain, Shimon could still return the lost object. Hainu Dimitaritz Mokom. So we'll say, I understand now why the Mishnah adds in, why the Mishnah adds in Mokom in a place where ultimately again it's normal to get Schar. Because we'll say that makes a lot of sense. Because in this case, what we're saying is, it's permitted for Shimon to go out and return the lost object. And in a place, where they normally pay someone for this service, Shimon, you can return the object because the act of returning is not called Hanah, but if Ruben is going to pay you money for this, that you have to give to Hekdish. It makes a lot of sense. El manda Amar, according to the opinion that says that Shimon is not allowed to return the object to Ruben 
because that is called a form of Hana, then what is the Mishnah talking about? Right? Remember, I can't even, Shimi can't even return the object. If Shimi can't return the object, they're both saying, then what? Then what? Then there's no discussion about reward. So what is the Mishnah talking about? Kasha. That is a good question. So therefore, I both say, where the Gemara is holding right now, where the Gemara is holding right now, in this, in this second version, before we, before we move on, in this second version, because it's actually the end of the discussion, where the Gemara is holding right now, is in this second version, one opinion makes sense, one opinion doesn't make sense. So we'll say, let's just go back, just so we have this klar. In this second version of Osai, what's the Machlokis? The Machlokis centers, Rabbi Amin and Rabbi Asi centers on one case, right? Part one of the case, Shimon made a neder, Reuben, you cannot get any benefit from any of my property. Good, part one. Part two, Reuben loses an object, Shimon finds it. What's the Shiloh? What's the Shiloh? Can Shimon return the lost object to Reuben? Tzemach Lokas. First opinion says, Kapashos, first opinion is Rabbi Ami. Right, Rabbi Ami says, yes. Why? Why? That's not called Hana. It's not called Hana. Right, Shimon is just giving Reuven back that which already belonged to Reuven. It's not called Hana. Rabbi Asi, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It is called Hana. Why? Because any benefit from Shimon or from his property is called benefiting from Shimon's property and therefore it's Asr. The Gemara says, okay, let's plug this into the Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say? What did the Mishnah say? You're allowed, in the case of a nether, I see even where Shimon went ahead and made the nether, he could return an object to Ruvain. So this makes sense according to the according to Rabbi Ami. What does Rabbi Asi do with this? Because Rabbi Asi, according to Rabbi Asi, if Shimon can't return the object, then what? Then what? There's no discussion about reward or what happens. There was a, the discussion about what to do with the reward only comes if what? Only comes if what? If the return of the object is permitted. But according to Rabbi Asi, according to Rabbi, Rabbi Asi, right, the second approach, the return of the object is prohibited because it's a form of Hana. If he can't return the object, there's no discussion about reward. To which the Gemara says, Kasha. That is a good question. That is a good question. So, so how do we, so this effectively is the end of this sugya. So how do we pass you in this case, Rabosai? So listen to this. It's actually quite interesting. So Rabosai, the Rambam, in Hilchos Nedarim, Perek Zayin Halacha Aleph. Listen to this. Shnaim Shneesru Hano, Kol Echad Men Al Chavero. Ben Benedar, Ben Beshur. So Rabosai, so whatever case where you have two people, and one of them, or for that matter, both of them, made a neder or a shvua, doesn't really matter, neder or a shvua, not to get Hano from each other. So, we'll say, so let, let's, just, let's just keep the case simple, right? So, so, so Shimon made, let's keep what consistent with our case. Shimon made a nether not to get any benefit from Ruvain. What happens? So now, so now or I should say it differently. Shimon made, a ben, Shimon made a nether that Ruvain should not get any benefit from him. Now what happens? Ruvain finds a lost object or vice versa or if both of them make nidarim. What's Talach Rabbi say? Listen to this. Incredible. They are permitted to go ahead and return the lost object one to the other. Why? Get ready for this. That's how the Ramah passes, I will say. The Ramah says, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, now what's his logic? Therefore what? Therefore what? So listen to this. This is part of the overarching principle that we have throughout Shas of mitzvahs lav lehanos nitnu. A mitzvah is not considered to be a form of hana. Not considered to be a form of hana. Therefore, halachah, I say the act of returning a lost object 
is the mitzvah of Hashavah Sadeida and is not considered the conference of benefit one on the Bosia. By the way, I'll give you another example of this. Another example of this that Halacha said could very well be that according to this logic, if Shimon makes a nether that Ruvain can't get any benefit from him. And what happens? Ruvain and Shimon daven in the same shul. One day Ruvain forgets his tefillin. Rabbi say, what's the halacha if you forgot your tefillin and you see someone's tefillin lying on the table? Are you allowed to borrow it without permission? Yes. yes. And it's interesting enough you're allowed to based on the principle of necha le'le inish le'me'avid mitzvah mamone. The default assumption is that Jews are happy when someone else uses their object for a mitzvah. Now, this doesn't mean that, let's say, you could take someone's wallet, empty out the cash, and say, oh, you know, people want me to do mitzvahs with their... No, no, no. Right? What, what, it, what it means is it refers to non-depletable resources. So tefillin, tefillin, which is not going to be depleted if someone else uses it, you can use someone's tefillin without asking. In other words, if they're there, obviously it's always good to ask permission. But sometimes it's a different minion, they're not there. So you can use a person's tefillin even without asking. So based on this, based on this, so if Shimon made a net that Reuben, you can't get any benefits from me, Reuben would be permitted to go ahead and use Shimon's tefillin. Much in the same way that they could return lost objects to each other because the performance of a mitzvah is not called hano. Quite amazing. However, the Rambam goes on, but if you live in a place where it's customary that when someone returns a lost object, you pay them a couple of dollars. And by the way, just what's, what's the genesis of that minnow? What's the genesis? So in general, Hashavah Saveda generally requires some level of exertion. Right? You have to find the person, you have to track down the person, you have to take time. So therefore, again, where it was customary to give a person a couple of dollars, Yipol haschar lehekdish. Rabbi Sayyid, now listen to this. Listen to this, it's incredible. So you have to give the schar to tzedakah. Now, Rabbi now that's interesting, because I would have thought, now, when you hear that, what do you think to yourself? So let's play this out, so let's play this out. Shimon made it, not to, not to convey any benefit, confer or convey any benefit to Ruvain. Ruvain loses an object, Shimon finds it. Could Shimon return the object? Should return it? Yes. He shows up at Ruben's house, returns the object. Ruben takes out a $100 bill. What does Shimon do? What does Shimon do? Right? Shabbos says, here's what's interesting. So he has to give it to Tzedakah. So it's interesting, because at least when I saw the Salah originally, he says like, no, thank you. Ram says, no, no, no. He has to take the money and give it to Tzedakah. Why? Listen to this. Because if Shimon accepts the money, turns out that he's getting benefit. And if he doesn't accept it, then he's giving benefit. See, I will say, listen to this. So if he accepts it, he's getting benefit. And if he declines it, he's giving benefit to Reuben. And that's like, so in other words, the money, if the money's being offered, the money has to be taken and given to Tzedakah in, in order that neither one of the prohibited parties, if there are two prohibited parties, gets any kind of benefit. Good. So I will say, it's a really fascinating idea, but an important episode. Mitzvos lav hanos nitnu. A mitzvah is not considered to be hanah, and therefore, even if someone is enjoined from deriving benefit, probably from deriving benefit, al seneder, it doesn't preclude the ability to perform a mitzvah on that person's behalf. Incredible. Gurba says kaviter. Amen. Base. Really interesting gemara here. Amen. Rava, listen to this. Haisa the fun of kikar shall hefker. So I say, listen to this. Let's say there was in front of me. A kikar of hefker. Now, this this case we're going to see. This is really just a lead a lead in to the next case. 
Firstly, because it doesn't really have that, the Ram points that it doesn't really have that much to do with our Gemara. So the Rav says, So if there was a, an ownerless loaf in front of me, Kikar Shalafkar, Va'amar, Kikar Zu Hegdish. The Rav said, What do I do? I say, This Kikar, this loaf should be Hegdish. Okay, that's fine. You can do that. So, Nakla, Nakla, Lo'ochla. So, we'll say, If you picked it up now to eat it, Ma'olafikula. So we'll say if committed me'ilah, what's the amount of me'ilah? What's the amount of, right? How do we quantify the me'ilah? The, the value of the loaf. Value of the loaf. And we'll remember again, what is me'ilah? Me'ilah means illegal personal usage of consecrated or sacred items. So this, this loaf is ownerless. You said the, the, the loaf belongs to Hakdish. Now you pick it up in order to go ahead and eat it. You have committed me'ilah. We'll say, by the way, if you'll notice, it's interesting, when is me'ilah committed? When is me'ilah committed? The moment you pick it up with the intention to eat it, which is actually very interesting. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, not la'amana So Rashi understands it over here as, the moment you pick it up, you've acquired it, but the me'ilah really only comes about when? When you eat it, when you eat it, so this this in of itself is subject to a bit of math locus. So we can go again, like I said, it's not really our primary topic, but it's just interesting. Rashi's approach is: you pick it up, you acquire it, but meiva is actually committed when you actually eat it. Fine. What happens? What happens? The horishal abanav. So we'll say very interesting. Let's say I pick up the loaf now with the intention to eat it, but instead I'm going to go ahead and leave it for my children's inheritance. Okay. So we'll say. So, by the way. You could pick this up, but you could, you, you, you could think about this as a case of a guy, literally, he's on the last leg of life's journey, right? In other words, last breaths, why he's choosing to commit an act of me'ilah in his final moments in this world, but he's about to die. He decides, you know what? Or it could be like sourdough. What kind of bread lasts for a long time? Sourdough? Or whatever. Anyway, he's going ahead, he's going ahead, and it's a, it's a box of masses, right? He's going ahead, he's going ahead, and he's going ahead, and he's deciding, I'm not going to eat it, Rather, again, I'm going to give this to my this. This is going to be the Yerusha for my children. So, we'll say, now, what happens in this case? Ma'al l'fitovas sheba. So, this is very interesting. So, he's committed mi'ilah. He's committed mi'ilah. But the value of the mi'ilah, Rabbi is not the value of the loaf. Why is that? Because remember, again, he didn't consume the loaf. So, the value of the mi'ilah, Rabbi is what we call tovas hanah. We'll say, what's tovas hanah? Tovas is the amount of benefit one, one, one acquires. So in this case, Rabbi say, what we do is we quantify the benefit. Really, the benefit that, that the father gets is the goodwill. His children, the children know my father, our father loves us because, again, he's leaving us an additional loaf as part of the Yerusha. So however you quantify, however you quantify that goodwill, that goodwill is the amount of the meal. I will say, take a quick look at the Ran. So we'll say this is the last line right before the widest lines. So the Ran says over here, Lahorish Labanov Ma'alafitovas and Asheba. So says the Ran, Kavandulohikbiya Ella Lahorisha Labanov. For those Shiikna Osa Aksha. When the father picks it up, when he picks it up, his intention is not to acquire the loaf right now. That's not his intention. What is his intention? To ultimately again pick up the loaf in order to convey ownership of the loaf to his children later on. Lonafka Lukulin. It was very interesting. So when the father picks it up, because it's not his intention to acquire it now, but rather only to convey it to his children sometime later on, 
he doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't leave hectic to go into chulis. Shabbos say, the way me'ila works is that when you take a consecrated item and use it for your own mundane use, it leaves hectic and comes into chulin. Therefore, again, you're responsible for the entire value of the item. So there's a loaf of hektish. I go and I pick it up and I eat it. When I eat it, it leaves hektish, comes into chulin. I'm responsible now for the entire amount. In this case, I'm not acquiring it for myself. In this case, what am I doing? I'm acquiring the loaf with the, uh, I'm picking it up with the intention to bequeath it to my children. The amount of meat I've committed is not the value of the entire loaf because I have not acquired it for myself. I've only acquired it to the, the intention to pass it on to my children later on. Therefore, again, the value of my mi'ilah is the tovas hanah, the goodwill, the goodwill that I ultimately, again, create with my children. It's interesting. Where does actual mi'ilah occur? Actual mi'ilah occur, occurs when I die. My children take the loaf and eat the loaf. That's when the complete mi'ilah occurs. So there's a partial mi'ilah that's happening, but the partial mi'ilah with me is only what we call the tovas. And I will say, by the way, it's actually very beautiful. If you think about this, you'll say to yourself, but it's just a loaf of bread. How much tovas hano? Right? How, how much could well... So if you look at the words of the Ran, are actually very beautiful. The, the end of the first wide line and the beginning of the second wide line. Kevon shu machser lehorisham. Shabbos say, when children know that the father is trying to acquire property for a Yerusha, even though in this case, it's just what? It's just the loaf of bread. There's goodwill in that. See, they will say, goodwill in life comes when children see that parents try. The parents try. See, I will say, often this goodwill only occurs when we're, when we're older. Because when we're young, we very often do not appreciate the efforts that our parents put in. Right? Often we become frustrated, disillusioned, upset, angry, rebellious. And as you get older, we recognize that although maybe my parents did make many mistakes, but they tried. And they really tried a lot. And it's that trying that a parent puts in, it's that effort that a parent puts in, that a child really comes to appreciate, that becomes a tovah It's a fashtunk in a loaf. What kind of Yerusha is this? Lameisa, my father's trying to put together a Yerusha. And that in and of itself engenders the goodwill. Good. So I'll say, so therefore the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, so first of all, the Ram then goes on to say, why is this here? Why is this here? Bahad the Aisi. So we'll say, why is this here? We're going to see why it's here in just a moment, because this case is similar to the one that comes after it. So we'll say, here's the case we're really focusing on. Back to the Gemara, four lines down from the top. So we'll say, so therefore again, Rava's case, you have a loaf, the owner of this loaf, you make it hekdish. Case one, you pick it up to eat it, your chayev mila for the full value of the loaf. Case two, you don't eat it, but rather you pick it up with the intention to go ahead and bequeath it to your children as an inheritance. You're a chayyeh from me'ilah, but only for the amount of the tovas hana, the goodwill, the goodwill that it engenders with your children. Good. Here we go. Back to our sugyo. Kikari alecha, matana. interesting. Interesting. So we'll say, so listen to this. Ruben says to Shimon, 
Kikari alecha. My kikar, my loaf is ushered to you. Another, right? I make an answer that my loaf is ushered to you. Okay. Now we'll say, now what happens? Listen to this. Now, Ruvain gives the very same loaf to Shimon as a matana, as a gift. So what's the mahu? What's the status now? So do we say, Kikari amalo, ki isa say huda asa. So we'll say, I wanted you to say, listen, what, what was the nether? What was the nether? Ruben said, my loaf. When is it my loaf? When is it my loaf? When it's in my rishos. But now that I've conveyed ownership to you of this loaf as a gift, it's no longer my loaf. Now it's what? Now it's what? Now it's your loaf. And as your loaf, it's not aser. And therefore the loaf should be permitted. O Dilma, alayich amralei, iluye shivise hektish. Or I will say maybe not. Maybe when I say, right, when Ruvain says, when Ruvain says, when Ruvain says, Kikari Alecha, Kikari Alecha, maybe what Ruvain is actually saying to Shimon is what? My loaf should be like hectish to you. Then I both say, when he says it's be like hectish to you, then what? Then Lamaisa, that status remains even if Ruvain subsequently gifts the loaf to Shimon. We'll say, see here the Shaila? Very interesting. So again, Ruben says to Shimon, Kikari Alecha, ultimately again, my loaf is usher to you. Now Ruben conveys the very same loaf to Shimon as a gift. What happens? Do we see on one hand, the loaf is now permitted because the prohibition was only when it was lo- Ruben's loaf. But now that it's Shimon's loaf, it's okay. Or no, Ruben effectively made this loaf like hectish, Legabi Shimon, and therefore, even though now he's gifting it to Shimon, the loaf still remains Asa. But let's say, if you take a look at, at the Ran for just a moment, so the Ran two, four, five lines down on the wide lines, O Dilma, Alecha Amrale, Ve'iluye Shavi Hekdash, Dachik Amrale, Zu, Shi'achshav Kikari, what Ruben is actually saying is, this loaf, which is right now mine, Asura Alecha Mi'olam, is forbidden to you forever. Forever. So we'll say, that's the Shaila. So here we go. So he said to him, so remember again, this is Rabbi Bar Avin asking from Rava. Rava said, it's Pashit, Aser. Aser, even if Ruben gave it to Shimon as a gift, at the end of the day, the Isser still remains. Isser still remains. Good. So the Gemara says, um, good. Fine. Um, Okay, let's go right there. Ella, so, so therefore, Rav is about to tell you. So therefore, if yes, there's no question. When Ruben gives, gives Shimon the gift of a loaf, the loaf is absolutely unequivocally still remains Asar. And also what Rav must be saying is, because essentially when you make a nether, when Ruben made the nether, that my loaf should be prohibited to you, essentially with the way we interpret Ruben's, the way we interpret Ruben's nether, is he was making the loaf like Hegdish. Isa says Rav, but I'll tell you, what is the Shiloh? Listen to this, Ella. Kikari alayich la says so therefore Rav, so therefore we see like this. But when Ruben does say Kikari alayich, does it exclude anything? In other words, say, is there a case, is there a case where maybe the loaf does become permitted to Shimon? Is there some type of case where, where let's say again you, you can where, where, where is there some kind of situation? So say, what, what, what is, what is Rabbi Chiyar Avin really asking a Rava? What is he really asking? What he's asking is, when Ruven says, Kikari Alecha, is there some point in time where it's what? 
no longer kikari? Is there some point in time where it's no longer called or no longer considered my loaf? Or is it forever considered to be Ruvain's loaf and therefore Asher to Shimon? So let's listen to this. Ella, kikari alecha lafuke mai. Lav lafuke. So I said, this is interesting. Is it coming to go ahead and exclude a case where maybe I will say where Shimon stole the loaf from Ruvain? Whereas I will say, listen to this. Maybe, maybe, maybe the case where the loaf would now, there's two ways to understand this particular line. It could either mean where Shimon himself is stealing the loaf. And maybe where I will say, you know, there's an interesting concept by a Ganov which is the Arkinyone Gineva, Arkinyone Gzela, which means when a thief steals an object, he actually acquires the object. It actually, it actually becomes his. So is it possible to say that maybe if Shimon goes ahead and steals the loaf from Ruvain, they will say maybe, again, I want to be clear, still an act of theft, and there's still liability for the theft, but maybe the nether is lifted from that object. In other words, Maybe the object is no longer usher to Shimon out the nether. It's usher because of theft, but maybe the object becomes, so to speak, permitted for consumption because the nether is lifted. Rashi has a different understanding of this case. The Rana also has a slightly different of this case. We're not going to get into it right now because the Gemara says, no, no, no. I'm really low, no, no. Even in a case where the loaf was stolen, it still retains its prohibited identity. So I'm going to say, so what is the case in question? This is fascinating. I'm really low, la fuke. The Azamna Ale. Wow. Rabbi said, listen to this. Listen to this case. What about the following situation? Ruve makes a nether and he says, Kikari Alecha, right? Shubin, my loaf is prohibited to you. So what have we established? Even if Ruve gifts the loaf to Shimon, what's the Alecha? Still Aser. Sounds like even if the gift is stolen from Ruve, either by Shimon himself or by someone else, and give it to Shimon, still Aser. Furthermore, again, so what's the case? So we'll say, what's the case in question? The case in question is, Ruvain invites Shimon over for dinner. Shimon over for dinner. And I will say, guess what's, guess what's on the table? Guess what's on the table? The loaf. The loaf. The loaf is there. So we'll say, so now what's the Shailah? The Shailah is a Shimon Alati, the loaf. Now what's the Shailah? Now look at the look at the will say, last round of the page. This is so great. So, okay, the Ran's version over here is maybe if he gives them as a matana, it's permitted. Here's what's interesting. When you go over to someone, someone's house to eat, so let's play this out. Let's play this out. Right? So, I'm, so, just a regular case. Just a regular case. So, right, I go over to Ruvain's house. Shabbos lunch, he invited me over. I'm sitting down at the table, right? There's a plate of food, some chalint and some kishka and some kugel. Right? And what happens? We'll say, that plate of food, whose food is that? Whose food is that? Do we say now that food is on my plate? That food is mine, right? That food belongs to me. Is that true? Or, or is it that halacha said No. That food remains the food of the Balabayas. It's the Balabayas' food. He's just allowing me to eat of his food. And I'll say, under normal circumstances, by the way, what's one nafkamina? This is actually a Koshim Mishra case. What's one of the nafkamina cases? This is say, say, you know what? Say, you know what? Um, you know, Ruvain, by the way, the brisket was excellent. 
right? I take four more pieces on my plate. I say, can you pack this up for me? Can you pack this up for me? And I'll say, when you are a guest at someone's house, are you allowed to take food without, their, you're allowed to take food home without their rishos, right? Or, right, now the nafkamina is, if you put it on your plate, does it become yours? Does it become yours? And therefore you could just take it home? Or no, you're allowed to eat what you're allowed to eat, the suda, but you want to take stuff home? That requires explicit rishos. And if you don't get explicit rishos, that's an act of theft. That's an act of gezel. So the nafkamina, the shayla is, when you get food at someone's home, is that your food or the balabayas' food? Then we'll say, here it is. So watch this. Ruvay made a net there and he said, Kikari Alecha. Right, Shimon, you cannot eat my kikar, you cannot eat my loaf. Now what happens? He invites Shimon over for dinner. Shabbos says, see, now the loaf is on the table. So what's the shayla? What's the shayla, I will say? Is it considered to be Ruvain's loaf? In which case, Kikari Alecha. You can't, Shimon, you can't eat it. Or, Maybe anything on the table ultimately again is considered to be shimmins. And therefore Allah he's permitted to go out and take it. So what the wants to suggest, wants to suggest that in that case, it's still considered to be Ruven's loaf. It's still considered to be Kikari, my loaf, Ruven's loaf, and therefore Shimon would be prohibited from going ahead and partaking of it. So what's that? Let's go back to it. We're not we're not finished yet. Again, we're not finished. So Eisve, so the Gemara raises the Kasha. Eisve, Amar lo Hishilani Parascha. So I say, listen to this. I say to Ruvain, Ruvain, do me a favor, lend me your cow. Amar lo, Konaim Parashani Kanoi Shani Shani Kanoi Lecha Nechasi Alecha Imyeshli Para Elazu. Okay, so I say this is interesting. So Ruvain says, Ruvain says, this para. Should be prohibited to you like a carbon. This part of that I own that I acquired should be ushered to you like a carbon if I have any other para. Then I both say, it's interesting. Sometimes you just tell people, like, just say what you mean, right? In other words, I was like, so, so Ruby's trying to say over in this case is, what Ruby's trying to say is, listen, I only have one part. I can't lend it out to you. I'm so sorry. So the way Ruby says that is, this para should be ushered to you like a carbon if I have any other power. So Ruby's saying is, I have no other power. I have no other power. Now it turns out, I will say that what? Or, I asked Ruben, can I borrow your axe? Amr and he says to me, This, this axe should be ushered to like a carbon, right? If I have any other axe. And it turns out, right? And it turns out that what? That in fact he has another cow and he has another axe. So what's the say? So ultimately bechayiv aser. So now what this means is during Ruvain's lifetime, his cows, his axes are going to be aser to me. Mace if he dies, oshen matana. Or ultimately again, or if halach alamaisa, right? Mace or he gives me as matana harayze motor. Oh, Rabbi say, whoa, what, what just happened over here? What just, what, 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 what just happened over here? What did you see from this case? Right? So I will say, so to make a long story short, Reuben triggered a nether. He triggered a nether. And now what happened? As a result of that nether, his cows are ushered to me. So what's one of the ways he could circumvent the nether? He could gift me property. Gift me property. We just said before that what? 
when you gift someone an object that is prohibited by a nether, the nether status still remains. That's what we said before. Reuven says to Shimon, Kikari Alecha, my loaf is prohibited to you. And then what happens? He gifts Shimon the loaf. He gifts Shimon the loaf. The loaf still remains permitted. Pro- prohibited, excuse me. Still remains Reuven's loaf. Now we just saw that if something is prohibited under a nether and you gift it to someone else, then Halach so what? Halach it becomes permitted. So what's going on over here? To which the Gemara says, No, no, no. Amr of Acha, Rav Ika, Shinit Nolo Acher. Oh, very interesting, I will say. There are different ways of giving a gift. One way of giving a gift is direct gift giving, which is Reuven gives to Shimon, and then there's another way of giving a gift, which is what? Reuven gives to Levi, who gives it to Shimon. say, what's the distinction between the two? One is a direct gift. The status, the prohibited status still remains. When Reuven gives the gift to an unrelated party, the status goes away, which makes sense, because now someone unrelated to the two parties ultimately, again, is involved, the status goes away, and then it allows the gift ultimately to be transferred to Shimon, so Isser free. I will say, we'll have to stop over here for today. I got a little ambitious on Amad Aleph. We'll stop over here for today. I will say, again, I just want you to say, here, here, here's where we're ending off. Here's where we're ending off. Ruben went ahead and said, Kikari Alecha. So I will say, we, we essentially now have two outstanding, well, really one outstanding question, because We've established this. Even if Reuven goes in and invites Shimon over for dinner, that loaf still remains prohibited. What we're really now going back to focus on is if Reuven gifts that loaf to Shimon, does the prohibited status go away? We thought the answer to that was no. Nadimar just gave us a case that it sounds like gifting a prohibited item, the prohibition goes away. How to reconcile the two? And the Allah Chalamaisa, Emir Hashem tomorrow, Shkoyach.